Welcome everyone to the Infertility Feelings Podcast. I am Jesse Brown. And I am Doug Brown. And today on our episode, we are interviewing Erin from My Beautiful Blender. And it is a roller coaster. It's crazy. Have you I, ever heard a story like that? I have not. And I'm so excited for you all to hear our conversation with her because also she has super exciting news. Yes. Since we recorded this podcast episode, she has had a baby. I know. How we're exciting. So, happy for her. so this is a rare inside scoop of, you know, like a week or two before she gave birth. This is her infertility story and this is what she was thinking about and what she was going through. So yes. I'm this is kind of a an exciting little window into her world, which is crazy. I think if you've uh, you know, going through infertility myself, I knew there's a lot of different things that you could go through, a lot of different experiences you could have, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of traumatic moments, uh, some good moments, um, some hard decisions. It's all in there. Her story has all of those things put yes. together into one. It's uh, it's really a, a, a really great insight and window into what it feels like to go through infertility. Yes. And I feel like it's great for someone who is struggling with infertility to be like, oh my gosh, like if you were having to face with one of those decisions, what would you do kind yeah. of thing? And just some like empathy for your story. But I think this episode is very important for people that don't struggle with infertility yeah. to know, wow, the turns and the roller coasters and the up and downs that are um, infertility and her stories got everything. Absolutely. So you can share this podcast. Mm -hmm. You can share the YouTube video of mm -hmm. this podcast. You can um, hand write it down and mail it to people. Whatever. <laughs> write you down every do. single share word. Share this. Uh, share this story. Uh, it's been a crazy week. A lot of ups and downs. A lot of stressful moments. Um, some people are happy. Some people are sad. Mm -hmm. But it's all over the map. Uh, and we, we realize that we talk about infertility and we talk about the struggles of infertility. Hopefully, this is a, a window into what so many people one in eight couples who are struggling to get pregnant mm -hmm. uh, are going through things like this. So now that our worlds are kind of coming back down to normal and COVID is still here, hopefully this could be a little escape into thinking about Erin uh, and her story. And we can even celebrate at the end of this that she just gave birth and yep. everything is going great. Yep. So here is her story. Enjoy. Welcome. We are so excited today to have Erin from My Beautiful Blender. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You are the best. We are California buddies, right? Yeah, we're not too far. We're what, like 40 minutes away from each other? Yeah, not too bad. Yes, we're, yeah, because you're in San Diego, right? Yeah, but I'm in North, I'm in Encinitas, so we're like, I feel like I'm closer to you than I am to like downtown San Diego. Right. Yeah, you might be actually. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is that closer to Oceanside in Sanitas? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I know. For like 10 minutes on the freeway. Awesome. Okay. So we are excited today to hear your story and yeah. then get all the feels. So can you just give us a summary of your infertility journey and when you went through, and then we'll go back and talk about all those things and what you were feeling through the whole process. Yeah. Um, Basically, it started when about 10 years ago when we were trying to have a baby. Um, and we realized I wasn't ovulating, or I mean, I didn't realize that the doctor is what she told me because I thought like everything was working since I wasn't getting a period. And I would like go through boxes of tests because I'm like, oh, yay, like, you know, and they were obviously all negative. Um, so then she was like, you guys should go see a fertility specialist. We went. Um, 
it was super strange because I was only 26 at the time. Um, and my husband was 30 and I mean, nobody else was having kids. Like we were just the first of our group. Mm. So then to be told we needed all this was kind of a lot. Um, but we got lucky in our first IUI worked, um, we did a medicated IUI cycle and we got pregnant with triplets and then, um, we're told we should probably reduce because I'm smaller and, um, just for my health and the health of the babies for them to hopefully get to term. Um, was that, was that three uh, eggs that the sperm implanted or was that an identical no, there Split. were three different eggs that dropped wow. off. So Dang. I think at the time, like they weren't as, they're much more rigid now, mm. I think, or at least at my clinic, they are about like, okay, if you have more than two, we're not going to proceed with an IUI. Mm. Um, I don't even remember that conversation back then. So I don't even know if they were even like really paying too much attention. I mean, mm. I'm sure they were, you know, I was just right. a lot more naive, but right. there definitely was clearly more than, two eggs um crazy yeah so that was I started bleeding like crazy before we found out and I thought I was miscarrying because it was like gushing blood Mm. um but it turns out like I guess that happens with multiples I guess is what they said Mm. so that's how we found out we had triplets around seven weeks um and then we did the reduction we had to drive to LA Cause at the time, I don't know now, but at the time there was only one like special clinic that, that did it and it was in LA. Hmm. So it was super traumatic. Um, yeah, that is traumatic. And, yeah. And they just did it. And then we drove back home and that was it. Hmm. I mean, it was like, it was like an ultrasound. Um, oh, she's wow. like, the room was bigger. There was like more monitors. Um, and then she's like, you know, you'll probably bleed for a few days. Um, and then was and that scary it. to feel like you were going to bleed? Like, am I going to lose the other two too? Yeah. I was kind of like, when I was, when we were going through all that, we were very like ashamed. Mm. Um, and we felt like just super disconnected to everything and everyone. We, so we just didn't ask anything. Like mm. we kind of just said, okay to everything. Um, obviously like we did talk about the reduction at length, but right after we're done like she was just like okay you know like wear this this pad or whatever and like it's gonna you know it wasn't like too it wasn't like my miscarriage it wasn't like too much like chunks of stuff uh-huh. but it was definitely a very very heavy slow mm-hmm. um but she was like no I want to fuck the others and um that was it and then like wow. asked me like he just didn't want to talk about it mm. so we just never like even he and I never talked about it after like until about a year ago, really. Uh, Wow. 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 And why do you feel like in that, in that season, what, what would you say was traumatic about it? Or what were the feelings that you were feeling? It was traumatic because first of all, you're having to do this like IUI to get a baby, you know, you're having to do fertility treatments. And then you have obviously much better news than you thought, because I thought it was miscarried. Mm -hmm. Um, so then to hear that, okay, but now we have to go do this after all of that was just like, just like very heavy, you know? And like, um, we felt guilty mm-hmm. because I mean, like I'm, I'm hundred percent pro-life, mm-hmm. but I mean, pro-choice, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, but like, 
nothing at the time was wrong. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was like, in my head, I was like, well, could I do this? Could I carry triplets? Like, right. So, but you know, to hear the doctor say like, well, your life can be at risk was kind of, we kind of had to weigh weigh those options. Right. Um, And then like just going to the clinic and not really telling anybody because we didn't think people would understand. Um, We just felt super alone. Mm. You know what I mean? Like secluded. um, And then the way that they handled it, I mean, it was just very like procedural. Mm. So it was just like, okay, you know, get there at eight in the morning, come in, we'll do it. You'll be done by like, 845. Hmm. Um, the way they choose the embryo was just basically the one that was the lowest out of oh, okay. the three, there were three sacks. Okay. Um, and so they just like put in kind of this like long, like syringe thing, kind of almost like what they used to do my IUI. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then they just tap the one wow. that they're reducing. What did that like, feel like? Physically, like, didn't feel much, but okay. like emotionally, emotionally yeah. it was so weird. It was hard because you're watching them do it on these monitors. I mean, I guess I could have closed my eyes, but there wow. was like three big monitors in the room, so you could see them do it. It was like it's like you. Did could they see want them. you to watch it? Is that what they did? They set those up so you could watch. Like that's just it seems like. Yeah, I don't know what the reasoning behind the monitors. I mean, maybe so that you could see like that they were doing just one so that they could kind of like, I think it's more of like a political thing for the doctors for them to see, like be able to have you see that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Um, but man, but that's, it, that can be, traumatic. I would say that would be yeah. somewhat traumatizing just to watch, watch that, you know? Yeah, it was. Even it if, was even if you chose to do it and you were like, I'm hundred percent in, it's just, that's just a heavy moment. Right. Yeah. 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 It was. And like for Nick too. And, um, and we did, we did, we were hundred percent. I mean, we knew like, this is what we had to do. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. But just watching that and like, you know, then you just, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I think like I wonder what mm. that one could have been. You mm-hmm. know, like we don't even know the sex because IUIs you can't. Mm-hmm. You don't know the sex obviously until you do the blood work after. But right. And um, why? Why did you guys not tell anybody? I think we were just embarrassed mm-hmm. and like ashamed. Um, I didn't think anybody would even understand. A that we had to do fertility treatments because we didn't even tell anybody we did the IUI other than mm-hmm. my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, right. B that and then we chose to do all this. Um, so we kept that part really, really quiet. And then everybody would just ask us like, oh, you know, are your trends natural? And we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because we mm-hmm. didn't want to share about the treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Eventually that part got easier and I was able to tell people like, no, you know, it was an IVF. Yeah. I mean, then IUI, but we never shared the triplet thing. Um, like I said, until like just very, very recent. Right. Gosh, I feel like that moment when you are having to, uh, you know, understand the fact that you had to do an IUI to even get pregnant. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant with multiples, but then it's like, but too many multiples. And now I have to think about reduction is such a, it's such an infertility moment. And I feel like that's for me, like when I was, coming of age and stuff. I never thought about fertility issues at all. I just thought, you know, it's not no brainer. Right. 
Um, but then it's like, yes, it's difficult, but then sometimes you, you get a lot and then just, there's so many decisions you had to make in that moment. I just wonder, and take us back to that moment of like, how did you process? Cause it seems like you had to a lot of joy and happiness, right? That you were pregnant mm-hmm. with multiples, but then also how did you balance the good and the bad? <laughs> or maybe it was hard to do that. And you're just now kind of starting to think about it. What do you think? Yeah. No, I mean, that's a good question. I, I don't think we handled it well. I like, I know that it attributed to a lot of like marital issues we had within the first few years of the girl's birth, mm-hmm. um, aside from just having twins and being new. Which is a bomb in itself. <laughs> Which is a bomb, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Like, let's just throw all of that in the same pot. But um, I think there was a lot of like heaviness that we hadn't dealt with. Um, and it definitely affected us and we didn't address it and we didn't realize, I think how heavy it was until like, honestly, just recently, um, I think we just chose not to deal with it. Um, I think more so him than I, but I kind of like respected it. And, um, like I said, because we were, we felt pretty ashamed about it. Like we just kind of didn't talk about it. Right. You know, and so we didn't deal with it. We didn't, um, we didn't, we never, like I said, we never really addressed it. We didn't talk about it. We focused on the twins and we were super excited. Um, like they were born. They are so cute. <laughs> they are so cute. <laughs> oh my word. They are beautiful yeah. girls. Thank beautiful. you. Beautiful. And they were, they were born healthy, 37 and a half weeks. They're oh, nice. tiny. I mean, they look like aliens. Right, but- right. <laughs> <laughs> but and then that you know kind of proved like our decision right because right. they were so so small like they didn't have any space to grow mm. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but even then you know like and we just we never never talked about it mm. and, what and was, was, yeah what was the the did do you felt like the not talking about it which is incredibly common uh, I feel yeah. like most people that's the the move. Yeah. What what was the what was the repercussion of not talking about it? Did you did you guys feel isolated? Did you feel what, what like you know not talking about it? What was the outcome of that? I think for me, I personally felt like I was lying to myself. Oh, I kind of felt like we were constantly living a lie like um at first, too, because we didn't even say anything about the fact that we used treatments to have the twins. Mm. So it was like when people would people would literally ask us, like, oh, are they natural? And I would just say, yeah. And I just felt like, why am I saying that? You know? Right. But but I did. Um, some people, I'm like, yeah, they're like complete strangers. And I don't really feel like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We always say safe people uh, for yeah. a reason. Yeah. Talk to you safe people. Yeah. Not the lady in the grocery store. She's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But like our friends, you know, not, they didn't necessarily ask us directly that way, but like, we never, we never told them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of just felt like everything was kind of, you know, to say everything was alive, very, I think, dramatic, but like, it felt like we were kind of like in just our own little bubble and couldn't like reach out to anybody because we just never told them. So it's like, how do you all of a sudden say, Hey, by the way, this happened this way. And also we had a reduction and right. you know, like when did you just sweep that into the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Like how do you do that? So we right. I think it kind of felt like I just kind of snowballed into just this big like secret mm-hmm. that we had and we never shared it. And he never liked to talk about it because um, we had a lot of different marital issues, 
but one huge thing was that he just was not able to open up right mm. so he like couldn't be vulnerable he couldn't talk about like his past and all of like his trauma from growing up so this was obviously just adding to that um and so we just like never it up. And that makes total sense. A lot of times when we go through yeah, something so traumatic in infertility, it brings up all the ways that we've cared for ourselves in the past or all the things that have happened to us in our past. Yeah. And, and same thing with me, like the, the coping mechanisms I had when I was a kid, I brought into infertility and then there's just that's a whole <laughs> and i think one <laughs> way whole bag of worms you got to start to one way you know. if i'm not sharing too much one way that you cared for yourself as a kid when you were going through something traumatic was to like zone out yeah like or remove yourself yeah. tune out and so uh oh now this is happening again and then that's your natural instinct to zone out again one thing i want to say is to anyone that <laughs> is the friend to not not to you but like someone that has done this i feel like we need to be better at putting what we think about someone's life aside yeah. so say you're pro-life pro-choice whatever you know what i mean that just meet this person where they're at that's what i would say is like take your view out of it just be there for the person and i feel like yeah. that's what needs to happen especially with a you know a medical you know reason right. it's like just meet them where they're at and yeah i think that would be a better way so yeah i mean we like never even i don't even think i ever even knew this was like a thing that like right was a possibility you know right. i mean at six you're just like let's just have a kid you know right. <laughs> like, yeah. um and then to do all that within a period of three months it's like it's crazy because three months ago you like couldn't have a kid and now you're having to reduce one of your kids and it's like, yeah, to make all of these crazy decisions as a 26 year old. And, um, it was a lot. And it, and you know, like I really never thought of it as like an abortion, you know, but mm -hmm. like I said, I'm fully hundred percent pro choice, mm -hmm. but like, um, and so even if it was that, then it is what it is, but it was just not the way that I thought of it because it just wasn't the way that it was presented by right. any means. Right. Um, so did yeah. You, I mean, did you know that that was a possibility before you went into it? The, the idea of reduction? Cause I never, I've yeah, never, actually until recently, especially with an IUI, but was that, did you, did you discuss that beforehand or? Mm -mm. No. And I think I do hear it more now where like, um, it's more of an open conversation. I, yeah. we did try an IUI this, past time to try and have this one um and we actually had to cancel the cycle because i had more than two eggs that were oh. going to drop um yeah. and so yeah we, we were like we definitely don't want to go down that path again um so i do hear it like being spoken about a lot more than i we were never never told that mm. um you know and i mean that was 10 years ago but like still right you know, what was the progression yeah. to finally tell your people or your friends? Because obviously they know now. I mean, right? Your or Instagram. They're finding out, or they're finding out right now. Yeah, or they're finding out right the second. Our <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I so I've told a few. We had told a few like really close friends. Eventually, it's just like time progressed because we would get closer to them, and like I was able to start talking about things more. And honestly, it was more so when we went we started going through IVF the second time around. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of when I felt more open to talking about what had happened in the past. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't even open up on 
line or anything until it was about a year ago now. Mm. So I just recently, I guess, started sharing. And honestly, that's kind of when I wrote about it Mm. and put it out there because I just, for some reason for me, it was just easier to just like write it and then whoever wants to see it and read it can do it. If they want to reach out to me, then great. If not, do it with it what you want. Right. Um, Because I just felt like what, how am I going to just like start calling friends and what friends and like my close few. So I really just wrote about it and then I put it on my blog and then I made a little piece on Instagram and that was it. And then I really, I got people writing to me, like my friends and like, oh my gosh, I never knew, you know, how you went through that. Right. Right. So Um, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Yes. Infertility is full of that. Even, even what we're doing and telling our story more and just just with the organization, it, anyone who was close to you during that time when you were going through it goes, Oh my gosh, I had no idea whether it's some of the facts of what it was or, or how much you were impacted. You know, for me, it was like my friends or even anyone says, wow, I didn't realize how, yeah. what you were really going through. We've gotten that a few times. We just shared our story in detail in an interview and my mother-in-law watched it and she like called me. She's like, I forget how hard that was for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it's like true. And, and I don't know if they, sh- she knew every single detail. Yeah, how can you? It's yeah, so hard. It's so to, hard. Yeah. She's like, totally. oh gosh. She's no. Like, it, and I, I think it was therapeutic for me to be able to like write it all out and put out your feelings and how, and then that's how people really see, like, like you said, how it really does affect you. Mm-hmm. It's right. not just like, oh, we did this procedure and then we drove back down and had lunch. Like, totally. You no, know, there was a lot more stuff involved yeah. emotionally. Right. Um, and that's what I think people don't see when you, even when you tell them what you're doing, you know, you don't have like an hour or two to sit there and express like everything that you're feeling. So to write it out and like have them take their time to, to read it, I think really, um, was eye-opening for some people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you mentioned that it was just this past year that you and your husband have kind of, or right, that Nick has been more wanting to talk about it. How did that go? How did there that come actually, about? Yeah. Um, well, we've been in therapy for a while. And um, I mean, we like literally hit rock bottom and then before wanting to have another kid. Um, and then it was just like a 180 change. It was amazing. I mean, I never knew that like, I didn't, truthfully, I wasn't expecting it to work. Like I was just ready to like call it quits. Right. Um, but he just became this person that like decided to open up and like share about his past. And like, he had so much stuff that like, even I didn't know. And I mean, it was like five years into our marriage and we're like, gosh, you know, like where did all this come from? Right. Um, and I think through that, like he just was able to become more open and just like receptive to feelings and to vulnerability and being able to share like how he's feeling and really try and understand how I'm, where I'm coming from and like the feeling sense. Um, so therapy was like amazing and we still, we actually just talked about right now that we need to book a session before this baby comes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So we literally just had a conversation about that this morning. Yeah. That's Uh, great. Yeah. I mean, we love it. And he goes alone, you know, and I go alone or go Mm -hmm. right now. This. Right. Right. um, (laughs) But, um, no, that, that I think was like a huge icebreaker for him to be able to start talking about it and then 
before I posted about it, I obviously asked him, like, I want to make sure right. you're okay because I want to share this. And then ever since then, I think with me being so very blunt and open on all this stuff, like he's kind of been forced to <laughs> kind of not necessarily be the same way because I, I, he doesn't go around and like, you know, sharing all this all day with his friends, but he knows what I'm doing. And so I think the fact that I'm doing it kind of like gives him a little bit of, I don't know if it's like, like a push to like continue to talk about it right. or maybe yeah. feel more comfortable because he sees like how amazing everybody is when I mm. talk about it and how it's not, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal in the sense that like, you're talking about it, you know what right. I mean? Right, yeah. right. You've made it more normal. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of helped us um, in a general sense, you know, because he asks me about, you know, when I'm posting and I show him and everything. And I think that makes him feel like, oh, okay, you know, like we can, we can talk about this. Right. And, and you're, think- and you're helping so many people by doing that because yeah. for, you know, for a lot of people, there's that idea that where it's not these conversations aren't normalized. Even this conversation we're having now about the decisions yeah. you've had to make are, were not normalized in a lot of ways still aren't normalized, but yeah. even just by talking about it and having people who don't normally talk about it, talk about it, it helps everyone start to go, Oh, these are decisions people are having to make yeah. all the time. And you know, we're able as a society to talk about these things, which is really cool. It's, it's so helpful yeah. for so many people. And I like what you said about the therapy thing. Cause that's also building less shame about therapy. You know what I mean? Uh, that it's okay. Doug and I have gone to therapy. I still go to therapy. Same thing. Zoom, which is fine. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but, uh, I think that's so awesome. Cause that can like destigmatize. Cause I think there's so many women, especially that want their husbands to go and you know, all that. And especially with a subject like this. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a huge help. I mean, at the beginning, I'm not gonna lie, like we went and he was thinking we're going because of me. Yes. But eventually, you're like, that's like, fine. <laughs> everyone yeah. always thinks it's the, always other thinks the other person. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going yeah. because of you. <laughs> yeah, but eventually like, like we kind of broke through and, um, and it's it's a good thing. Like I said, he makes his own appointments now. He goes by himself, so it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's both and. Therapy is also not just like, okay, we're sitting in the room and now we're fixed. It's like, it's a both yeah. and. It's them helping you and then you doing work as well. Yeah, it's a habit. Totally. It's a habit. It's a good habit. Okay. So you have twins <laughs> and then you want to have another kid. What was Six that journey? Later. Yeah. Six years <laughs> later. So what was that journey? Tell us about yeah. that. So I, um, I knew I always wanted more kids and then, um, when they were six, they started kindergarten. Um, and it was like, Oh, wow. Like, look at all this time I have, like Nick and I were doing, you know, great. We were back, like probably better than before we were married. And I was like, I definitely want to have another kid. Um, and you know, we, we did that whole, like, let's just try because you never know, because back then we were told, well, once you do fertility treatments, you, you know, the chances sometimes are really good for you to get pregnant on your own. So that's, even though, to be honest, I really wasn't on much consistent birth control, like within those six years. So like, Mm. you know, but you don't think about that because you weren't actively trying. Right. Right. Um, and so we tried and then at first next day, okay, but if it doesn't work, like you're not going to do treatments, you know? And I'm like, okay, you know, but then that snowballed into, well, let's just go into the clinic and see, what they right. say. Right. And once we were in there, we literally walked out and had already signed and paid 
upfront to the <laughs> <Right>. IVF. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but it did. Yeah. My um, hand magically just signed a paper. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, here's my credit card. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then they gave me my calendar and we were like, you know, we walked in one way and we came out the other, but whatever. Um, and so we were ready and we were very naive. We literally just thought like, okay, well, we're going to do IVF A so that we cannot, we can avoid multiples because we really kind of just wanted one. Right. Um, and we just thought it was like a guarantee. I mean, like we got pregnant super easily, obviously with the IUI. So we're like, clearly this is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Still had a lot of follicles like they did the, you know, pre-scan or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, we just had to have them mature and come out and do all that. Um, and that was in August, 2017. And we had the first retrieval and after sending them to test, we only ended up with one healthy embryo. And same with um, us. Same with yeah, us. Yeah. yeah. That was us. It was mm-hmm. so crazy. I know. All that to one. I'm like, one? One? Okay. But we were also, like I said, we didn't do any research. Like, we literally, again, just like with IUI went in like blindly kind of, mm-hmm. um, we thought we could, we didn't think we could get more, but I mean, it is what it is. And we had that one and then we just thought, well, it's going to implant. So all we need is one. Right. Right. So it didn't implant. <laughs> right. Um, and then we were back to square one. Mm-hmm. How'd that feel? It was very depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I felt you know, like I felt like I had a miscarriage. I mean, like I yeah. just felt like yeah. all of that for nothing, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. because it was a good three and a half months, you know, like the whole process yep. from start to finish. And we told people that time or we told my parents and a couple other like close friends. How was that? How was, how was having people know comparative to not having people know? Well, I think because we thought it was a guarantee. Right. Um, we were like so excited. That was the only time we knew the sex of the embryo prior to transfer. Mm. Again, because we thought it was going to work and we we're like, okay, well, like we literally even picked out a name, which is like the complete opposite of what this pregnancy has been. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was just like night and day. And um, towards the end, I was, when I, when we came time to transfer, like my mom was like, well, when are you going to find out? Like when's, when's the test day? Are you going to tell me? And I'm like, and so then I started getting like anxious and I was uh-huh. like, no, like, and then I was like, oh, great. What did I just open up? You know? Right. Right. But, um, when it failed, like I just told my best friend and then I didn't tell anybody for about a week. And then mm-hmm. I told my mom and a couple other friends that we had told that it, you know, it failed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's even just- hard in itself. It's like traumatic. It's like you're, you're, you're disappointed. Yeah. You're yeah. in a weird way, disappointed with your body and then your body didn't do anything wrong. And then you feel like you're disappointing people. Yeah. That's yeah. just a lot of disappointment. Oh, yeah. It's really hard. It was. And it was also like, they didn't quite understand what IVF was because mm-hmm. no one has gone through it. And so it was like, oh, okay, well it failed. But obviously you guys know, like it's just more than just a failed like, right. test. Right. It's totally. like it's months of like. You're more attached. Attachment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And totally. then to not have it there. You're just like, wait what, you know? So mm-hmm. it was, it was a lot. Um, and especially of how expensive it is. I've never paid so much something 
for it to not work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how much it costs. You're like expecting like, okay, you need results. Yeah. yeah. Something. No, yeah. we already said like this child is unfortunately not going to be able to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's we his college paid, fund. Yeah. Be taking care of us when we're old because we can't afford a nursing home. Like right. we already know. It's right. already, at least we know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, so we then my personality is like, okay, what's next? Yeah, me so too. I, that's the only thing. Like everyone's like, how did you get through so many failed transfers? I'm like, I just needed to do the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep going. So until I had that like WTF appointment, mm-hmm. um, I was very depressed, like crying, you know, like every day. And then we had the appointment and they're like, okay, well you can, um, actually at this clinic, we didn't even have an appointment. She just like emailed me and was like, Hey, we can start again. Mm. Okay. You know, right. at the time, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, sure. So she like reordered the meds for me and I started stims again and did the whole thing again and basically got the same exact results for the second, um, wow. retrieval. We had one normal and one like low mosaic. Okay. And at this clinic, they were like, no, oh, let's just transfer the both of them. I'm like, okay. So we did. Mm-hmm. I failed. Mm. Um, and we were obviously very devastated again. Right. Um, it was just, you know, and, and I remember Nick asked me, like, do you think, it, do you feel any different? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to feel. Right. Like, I didn't, I still feel like that first year was just like, I feel like I didn't, I know it was my fault, you know, like I didn't ask too much. I didn't research much, but that first year of IVF, like I met with my doctor maybe like two or three times. Like, I think I yeah. saw him two or three times. Wow. That, that is not it, a lot. Like, it was yeah. <laughs> I know. And at that, and my girlfriend was like, I don't, think that that's normal like that's probably not a good thing and I'm like well that's just how they do it right because you don't know any different yeah that's only when I've been at right and they have like so many nurse practitioners and like god bless them they're so nice so nice you have to be nice to work at a clinic like that but that's got to be a box that you check you do (laughs) but then you see somebody I literally saw somebody different like every time I went in and I'm like I started thinking like how do they really relay everything they're seeing. Right. That's like telephone. The doctor, yeah. 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 I feel like that's very common. I feel like a lot of people, and I kind of feel, I mean, we were involved, but the, the idea of kind of just going and saying like, just tell me what to do and not, not wanting to get too into it. I think a lot of people are like that. Um, I think a lot of people in the infertility community online are very like they're active and they're looking, but I think there's a ton of people out there who go to the clinic and just say, <laughs> I don't know. Just tell me what to do because it is overwhelming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, uh, like there's so many, and I always like commend people when like they write to me and stuff and they're like, Oh, like I, you know, here's all the information that I have. Like, tell me about this and this. And I'm just like, so impressed by like all of their research and they haven't even started. I'm like, man, you are like five steps ahead of where I ever was. Right. Right. Same. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, so you're on your second IVF round at that point. We did that, and then I was like, okay, let's just do an IUI. (laughs) So we literally, like, did an IUI. Again, I didn't even see the doctor. She just sent meds. Um, We ended up flying out to Hawaii just to, like, we took the girls on their birthday. We were like, let's just get out and, you know, get the results there because you can take a blood work, blood Mm -hmm. test anywhere. And then I ended up getting my period and it was like really heavy. And obviously that was a very, um, 
traumatic and disappointing and everything yeah. because I think the reason I didn't want to do an IUI too was because I was afraid it wasn't going to work and it worked so well the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. mentally, I'm just like, this should work. And if it doesn't work, like what's wrong with me now? Right. You know? Right. Like I it was, worked then. Yeah. Cause I kept thinking like, I'm like, maybe IVF is too much, too many drugs for me. Like maybe my body is just not okay with all of that extra stuff. And IUI is a lot, you know, it's a lot more condensed. Like it's just shorter amount of hormone time. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a lot of follicles. I just don't grow and ovulate on their own. So I was like, mm-hmm. so maybe this is what I need, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember like just bawling and like, Nick was just like, we're done for a while. You know, mm-hmm. he was just like, we need a break. And I wasn't okay with that because obviously a break means like, literally you can't try like, because yeah. you can't just keep trying right like most people that don't need to do fertility treatments I was like but that means that means we can't try to have baby for like as long as you're telling me you want this break for right (laughs) and then you start doing the math of like then I'm gonna be that age and then I'm gonna be that age and then yeah totally totally yeah and I'm like I don't I can't you know and especially when you've been going through it for about a year like it's just like your new normal and it's you figured out how to live life with it I mean it sucks but you have right um but he's just like, no, like financially, we need a break. Like mentally, you need to get back to like your pre-self of like smiling and enjoying life. And as much as I like hated it, we just agreed to a three-month break, mm-hmm. which was like essentially that summer. I started seeing an acupuncturist. I got like all my levels rechecked, my thyroid, um, and I trained to be a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. So it was actually like really cool. It was so needed. I was going to say, so looking needed. back, do you, are you glad that you took that time? 100%. Yeah. yeah 100%. I mean, like even once like three weeks had passed by, I'm like, thank God for this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, you just lose yourself. And like yeah. I, this whole time, because I had the twins, like I also felt so guilty crying and being depressed and everything when I like, I know I have such amazing kids as it is. Right. Um, and that like secondary infertility guilt crap starts like mm-hmm. just weighing so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you almost like don't realize it's there until it's until you're able to like focus back on them hundred percent. Same you with me. Have- Same with me. But and what I would add is when we took said that we weren't gonna do IVF again, I felt sadness and relief. I felt so much relief to exactly what you were saying. Like three weeks later, it's like, huh. like, and then you have like the almost, you can see what that journey did to you of like, oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That was a lot. You know what I mean? Until yeah. you take it, sometimes you need the break. Yeah. That secondary infertility where you're, it's a double pain where you're like, I want to have a child. But then you also look at the, the kids that you do have and you think, I want them to have a sibling or I want them to have, mm-hmm. you know, that. And you're like, it almost becomes that like parental thing where you're like, I now it's messing with me individually and me as a parent. And gosh, it's painful. Yeah. So painful. So hard. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, like, and you look back at like the trips you took that year and you're like, what I remember about those trips are like what step I was on for IVF, mm. you know? And like, it sucks because like we had taken a trip to New York when we had found out the first um, cycle failed. And that's like what I remember, you know, mm. like instead of like, oh, that we went to go see the tree and the this and the that, you know, right. like it's. Yeah. So it sucks, you know, yeah. and like on my Hawaii trip, I remember, literally remember like bleeding because it failed, you know, so it's yep. all that stuff started to weigh on me. Like, it's like, man, I really need to just 
take a step back and like be with my girls and like just enjoy even though honestly like you're still counting down the days so you can start again right I mean, like, right it wasn't like oh who cares when I start you know right like, I was Remember this, you know, right. but I don't even know if you did this on purpose, but I love that you kind of found a little bit of something that you could do that wasn't just you being a mom, like be- becoming a yoga instructor. Like I've encouraged people to be like, you need to like spread out your identity a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're a mom, you're struggling with IVF or maybe you're not a mom yet in certain, certain cases, but it's like, find something that you can put energy in. That's not just that. So that's yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I had, when the girls were younger, I, um, and well, before they were born, I had a mobile gymnastics program for preschoolers. Oh, so cute. A bunch of different preschoolers and I wouldn't, but I had teachers and I would manage everybody. And then when they were about four, I was like, I mean, this is too much. Like I had to right. sell the company, like too much. Right. Um, so I definitely have always like liked doing something. I just knew I had to do something that like could revolve around them. Right. Um, and so, yeah, no, it was so nice. Like Nick encouraged me to do it because I had been wanting to do it. Um, and it was really cool. It was yeah. really fun. Um, and, it, you know, it was a three month, like almost a three month process anyway. So that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, I started teaching when I got back into IVF around the same time, but it was fine. Like I could definitely, you know, juggle all of that. Um, and we started up again, we actually switched clinics because I had so many people telling me like, you need to be able to see your doctor. Yeah, right. That yeah. seems like a good thing to be able to yeah. at least be able if you want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it just felt like I was like a part of like a cattle herd, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was just yeah. another number, another like stamp and I, what made this, what made me like really jump ship is that I had emailed her, this, the nurse that's like the, the doctor's assistant, I guess. Um, and I said, okay, we wanted to start again. Like when can I meet the doctor so we can talk? Cause now I, I hadn't even seen him for like, you know, over six months. And she's like, well, we'll just, I'll just call your medication in. I'm like, but like, you haven't even tested me for anything. Like right. how, like, so literally I was like, okay, no, like that's not, that doesn't right. make any sense. You right. know? Yeah, and I feel not... like a piece of advice to people that are listening, listen to your gut. Yeah. What yeah. is your gut? You have to take a second to check in with yourself to be like, what does my gut say? And that's so, that's so good that, that happened. Yeah. And not can... only yeah. is the, is doing the IVF important, but the experience of doing it is also important. You know, right. how you feel going through the process is important. Okay. So oh. you switched clinics and what year was this? 2019. Summer of 2019. Okay. Summer of 2019. So last summer. Okay. And then, and then what happened? And then I loved the doctor. I felt way more comfortable. Um, My biggest thing was like, I told him, I'm like, I need to be able to see you at every appointment. Yes. Um, Love that. (laughs) Advocate for yourself. I need your cell phone number. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even if I have to do it at home, I'm coming to your house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and he was great. He was very sweet. Um, we did. That's when originally I wanted to do an IUI and we tried and then I had too many follicles. So he was like, is that 10? He's like, Oh wow. Yeah. So he suggested because cause I was just devastated because I'm like, Oh my God, like you spent all that money on the drugs. And then like, you know, the two or three weeks, cause my body takes a while to um, like for my eggs to mature. Mm. So he's like, we can actually probably have a retrieval 
um, with the ones you have, instead of like letting it go to waste, I'm like, perfect, let's do it. So we switched over to IVF, like right after almost canceling the IUI. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up with three embryos, but we didn't test them. Mm-hmm. Because Nick was kind of on this kick of like, let's try something different. The doctor did suggest for us to test him, but we were just like, no, like, again, just, (laughs) I don't know. So we didn't test them and we transferred one and it stuck. Um, We were pregnant and we were super excited. Um, You know, we went in in January and saw the heartbeat and, um, then we told the girls and they were super excited and they were actually, this was hard because, um, we hadn't, I had been talking to them about it, but very like lightly, mm-hmm. nothing the extent of what we talk about now. Um, and I would just say, I'm going to the doctor just for a checkup, like I'm okay. But when we told them we were pregnant, one of them started bawling and I was like, Oh wow, she's so excited. And she, no, she had thought that something was wrong with me. So Aww. she was like, relieved that like oh wow yeah yeah and it hadn't even dawned on me across my mind that like that's something they would think about because you know I always told them I was fine right but going to the doctor is like no that's you know you're not fine right yeah right they're putting, and then they're, they're left up to together. their brain to figure it out right right yeah they're putting yeah. together what you're going to the doctor so much something must be going on right totally so that was like a huge eye opener. And after that, we told, I told Nick, I was like, wow, we really need to be like completely, you know, as open as we can be with them to right. really make sure they're not worried. But, you know, we were pregnant. So we're like, hey, it's all, all is well now. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we went in for our last appointment. And then that's when they had told us the baby had stopped growing, mm. which was hard because, I mean, because that's just hard. Right. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, we had seen the heartbeat. So we had just assumed like, right. You're good. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't know anybody that miscarried. I didn't know, you know, and I still hadn't opened up on Instagram or anything like that. So I didn't even know this was like a thing, especially going through IVF. Like you're like, well, you're going through IVF. So like that you can have a healthy, normal, you know, like, yeah. Like they're literally implanting the baby. Like that's, yeah. it's going to work. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so that was like beyond devastating. Um, I just remember that day, like not being able to breathe, like not being able to like, all I could think about was like, what now, you know, because you had gone like transfer where like you're essentially pregnant and you're acting pregnant and you're waking up every day pregnant. And then now tomorrow I have to wake up and like go to yoga if I want to go to yoga. You know what I mean? That I think was like, for me, the hardest Thing. even with every failed transfer like I always say mornings for me are the hardest because mm. it's like you're waking up and your whole day is now changing again you right. know like following the doctor's orders like not working out you know like chilling like being excited that you're pregnant and then now you're like hey business as usual like you want to go to soul cycle go for it like, right and I'm, and I'm like how can I go but like what else am I gonna do right like, right can't just sit here right um, it's like whiplash right it's oh like, it's total it's emotional whiplash no, no, yeah yeah it's emotional whiplash yeah, yeah. thankfully i had a couple of friends that like were just like come like you have to come to yoga you have to come and like mm. you know and even though like i cried through the entire class like i at least like 
would feel better by the afternoon, but it took a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of mornings to like finally feel like, okay, I'm back to just living life again um, without being pregnant. But and that's what's so. That was, no, what were you gonna say? Continue. No, I was just saying like I think that's one of the hardest things um, for me, like feelings wise, is just like going from one routine to the other because I'm such a routine person mm-hmm. that like when I have one, I stick with it like for forever. I mean, I could like literally be on the same routine forever. And when you're forced to move away from that, um, obviously for a good thing, like when you're pregnant or when you're done a transfer, like that's so exciting, like a hundred percent, like I'll lay flat on the floor if it means I'll mm-hmm. get pregnant for right. two days, you know, yeah. but like you're going from that excitement to like, now going back to pre-transfer. Right. It's just and then you're having a miscarriage at the same time. Right. Yeah. Hello. What was that yeah. process like? That was super traumatic because they um, they had me do the misoprostol pill. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know. Pill. So yeah. I'm sure that's great. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Basically, it's until you put up your vagina and it causes you to miscarry sooner so that you're not just oh, waiting. Wow. Oh. oh, okay. Wow. So they suggested for me to do that before doing a DNC. Um, she's like, you know, the doctor's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure like everything should come out or whatever. But they asked me to sit on one of those, like, you almost look like a hat where you put it on the toilet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, to every time I felt like stuff was coming out to catch it in that Gosh, wow. And then bring it to the clinic to try and get tested. Bring it to the clinic. Wow. What's that drive like? Yeah, geez. So, well, and then I had to like put it in like, you know, sandwich baggies and put it in the fridge because like you have to store it somewhere until you go, until you're done. And so I took all, so that was like pretty traumatic. Luckily it was just bleeding during the day. So I was like, you know, I'd like be doing something. I'm like, oh my God. So I'd run to the bathroom um and it lasted like four or five hours of like really intense like you know baseball size things coming out wow um, did that hurt no mm. it didn't really hurt I was lucky and I you know some people say that they experienced a lot of cramping I really didn't mm. um thank god it was just weird like it just felt weird yeah um, and emotionally it was like really hard because it was like every time you went to the bathroom like you're seeing your miscarriage yeah um, it's so traumatic. And I took it in and they wanted to see if they could test the tissue because remember I said I, we didn't test this embryo. Oh, yeah. So they wanted to see if maybe the embryo was abnormal. Mm. Um, right. Sometimes you can test the tissue. My brother's an MD. He's like, don't be surprised if they can't test it. But I was hopeful. So when I took it in, he's just like, it seems like not everything has come out. So they wanted me to do the pill again. Oh, yeah. um, so I did it again. And probably about a week later, and it actually ended up working much faster. So instead of like before I took it, oh, like in the evening and then it happened the next day, this time it ended up happening all night long, um, which I wasn't expecting. So I like woke up in like a pool of blood. Oh, wow. Dramatic. Um, like the sheets, everything. Like I went through like four pairs of pants because I thought I was done. And then I'd go lay down again. And then I would, I'd wake up again with like, blood everywhere um meanwhile he still wanted me to catch all this stuff again so it was like three in the morning and I'm like 
Um, I bled like a lot, a lot, a lot that time. So I like, when I woke up, I really couldn't even walk, um, Mm. for a couple hours and then took that in. It turns out none of it was able to be tested. So Mm. we don't really know why I miscarried. Like most people don't know. Right. Um, but. And how was that emotionally for you? How was that emotionally for you? Yeah, it was again, very traumatic. Um, you know, not being able to figure out what happened I think to this day is still like just so frustrating Mm. uh, because you wonder like you know and I I feel guilty I'm like should I have tested it like would this not have happened Mm. I don't know it's just, I just, when you're telling that story, I think so many people hear that someone has a miscarriage and they, no further thought there go, Oh, that's so sad. But it's like, we don't really realize the traumatic nature of it and what people actually have to go through during a time like that. And it's at parts of it are so painful. And so I can't even imagine how, um, emotionally, draining and overwhelming a situation like that is and i think we you know hearing your story and just doing have you ever heard a story like that no no i mean and it so just feels like oh my gosh um we could be so much better at being kind and being um forgiving and just i don't know holding people that are going Mm -hmm. through something like checking in yeah yeah because we just hear oh that's that's a bummer and we think oh physically we're like oh i don't know i don't know i have no idea what happens but if more people even just knew a glimpse, I think we would, we would, yeah. we'd be kinder, you like, know, and I'm just like, more open to helping. Yeah. How can we start a, a meal train for miscarriage? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, geez. Well, I, and that's how I was too. Cause I, you know, like my whole moving forward thing, like when she told me I was going to take this pill, I was like, okay, well, and then what, like, do you think like a week or two? And then we can like start the next transfer process. And she was like, maybe like four weeks, like it takes for people's levels to come down and all of that. Mine didn't come down. Um, it was about nine and a half weeks, and I was still going in weekly to check my HCG levels because yeah. they were coming down. Um, wow. And then finally, I actually had to have a DMC. Um, oh my gosh! After all that, yeah. So my, like I would say, my miscarriage lasted three three months because it really did. I couldn't do anything, and so my whole thing about moving forward, I think that was the hardest thing because every week I was like expecting things to be like much more progressed. Mm. Uh, and it was like, you know, it, it was going down, but it was nowhere near like where it needed to be to even right. do anything. Right. Uh, and so I had gone in and he did like a, he did a hysteroscopy and then he wasn't able to perform the hysteroscopy because he still thought tissue, which is why my levels weren't all the way to zero. And so then he's like, we need to do a DNC. Um, and so he booked that for like, thank God, at least like the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the third month into miscarrying basically. Wow. Um, and then finally, I finally felt like I could close the door mm. in a weird way, at least like be able to think about the next steps finally. It's like a little bit um, of closure, a little bit of closure. Yeah. 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 Like a little bit of closure. Obviously I know everybody grieves differently and I, I am not saying like that that actually made me never think about it again because obviously it doesn't right but at least like being able to take another step forward right um so and then what happened then um we we tend to like to take little trips when we're like good (laughs) yeah that's a good idea um so we went out to i'm obsessed with new york city 
And so we go usually pretty Us too. Like, you are. We love New York City. That was our get pregnant trip was New York City, which is hilarious <laughs> looking back. It's like, why, no, Bahamas? Maybe. Why not Bahamas? <laughs> yeah, no, New York. Yeah, New York. Um, we usually go like twice a year and we stay for like 10 days. We like Airbnb, kind of like pretend like we live there. Yes, so um, fun. It's amazing. So we went out there, which is so nice. Um, and then we came back and we were able to. So I wanted to test the two embryos we had left from that retrieval because I was like, I don't, I just want to check everything off the mm-hmm. list. So if they're not normal, like is that way miscarried? I don't know, but I, I don't think I could transfer one of those embryos not knowing anymore. So they sawed them, they biopsied them, and then they refroze them. Wow. Um, one came back normal. So I was happy I did that. But because they went through like trauma by being resawed, um, the quality of the one we had left like really dropped. Oh, so wow. she's like, the percentage of it working is going to be significantly lower, but it could work. Mm. So we transferred it anyways, <laughs> and it didn't work. Wow. Um, and then I was like kind of ready to throw in the towel and my husband just knows me so well. And he's like, let's just do one more like good, like solid retrieval. Yeah. Um, because I, he's like, I feel like the one we just did, because this was still from the IUI yeah, turn to IVF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like, let's just do like, like by the book from the beginning to the end, like make good with this new doctor, with this, this. Right. And we did, we had like the best results. We had three PGS normal embryos oh, that wow. summer. This was summer 2000. Oh, so never mind. That, that was now, 18 and now this is 19. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait, <laughs> really good at math over here. It's fine. Um, so we had like the best results. And it's funny because everyone always like writes to me and they're like, well, you know, I'm this age and I'm this age, but should I do all my retrievals right now? And I'm like, truthfully, I had my best retrieval when I was my oldest age. So mm. from my experience, I why do you know. think, why do you think that happened? No, I mean, like, my or is there an answer was, to that? The what? Or is there an answer to that? Like, I don't know. I mean, like my protocol was fairly similar. He did put in a couple more like growth hormones into, um, you know, the, the process. And I do think that helped. I had been seeing an acupuncturist now for about a year. I was going like weekly. Okay. Um, and Nick was also on DHEA as was I, and he was also taking men's multivitamins. Okay. Um, hadn't done before. So I don't know if maybe that contributed to it. It, it very well could have. Right. Um, but we were thankful to have like three normal, good quality embryos and then right. we had one one mosaic a low mosaic mm. um so the doctor was like okay for sure it's going to work this time we transferred that august it failed again mm. um and we were i was just like i didn't even know i was like what now you know like how is this yes it, like that's a lot of failed transfers it's a lot well. of failed transfers yes mm. so we did a pelvic mri i did a head mri a brain mri um and then he did a biopsy on my uterus mm-hmm. and he found still some inflammation from the miscarriage. Oh, wow. um, so he put me on like two weeks of antibiotics for that. And then with the pelvic MRI, he found um, a form of what's well, called adenomyosis, mm. if I'm pronouncing it right. And it's just like a very slight form of endometriosis. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, 
he put me on three months of letrozole. Mm -hmm. So like, and, um, supposedly that would cure it or fix, hopefully fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, the problem with adenomyosis is that like, well, just like endo, if you're trying to cure it with, um, a drug or a hormone, like you don't really know if it's going to work. You're just going to assume that this dosage is going to work for you. Right. Um, and we finished that. I transferred the second embryo from that batch in December of 2019 or in January and it didn't work. Um, so I was just like, what like the heck? I have yeah. followed you this whole time and I did not know all this. I'm just Dang. hearing your story and I know that you're expecting and I'm like, when is it? Gonna, I'm when like, did it work? I just, I'm on this emotional <laughs> roller coaster with you. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it didn't. It that one was honestly, I think the most devastated I was. And I think it's because we thought we had found something and mm -hmm. fixed it. Right. And, yeah. And it didn't work. So like at that point, I'm just like, what other test? Like you can't, you can't yeah. do any other tests. Right. Um, and you only now at this point had one good embryo left. I have one good embryo left and yeah. one mosaic. And, um, I had met with this other doctor, my current doctor, a couple of times he's in the same clinic and I like, I really liked him. And, um, my doctor couldn't have that with the WTF appointment with me for like weeks. Cause he was out of town. And I, and I was like, Nick was like, I have never seen you like this depressed. So mm. we need to like figure something out. And I think it was also like just so many hormones. Compounded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this other doctor was like willing and able to meet us much like two weeks before this next one, I was like, fine, let's do it. Like, let's just talk to him, get answers. Um, at that point I had already started sharing on Instagram. So like it had all, obviously all these people like giving me advice and have you tried this? Have you tried that? And honestly, the way I deal with that is by like writing everything down. Mm. And then I my doctor and I was like, here's what I'm being told to ask you about. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just kind of ran through the list and I kind of knew he was going to say, no to that, no to that, no to that. Right, no to that. right. But at least I could like sleep better knowing I asked. Right, yeah. right. This new doctor I love, and he's again my current doctor, and he just was so thorough and so like, I don't even know how to explain him. Like, he's just like, look, this is just how it is sometimes. And like, it. I don't know. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And he's like, you've been flipping a coin. It's been landing on the wrong side. Keep flipping it. And eventually it'll land on the right side. So that little coin like thing made me feel so much more. I don't know. I don't know what it did. It just made us both feel like way more confident in yeah. the process. Yeah. Um, he's like, you can't take it too seriously because like it sometimes just doesn't work for so long. And he's like, He's like, look, you've done every test possible. There's nothing else I can like test you for. He said, personally, I wouldn't have put you on that letrozole because everybody who's had anything done to their uterus has a form of adenomyosis. Oh, wow. Because yeah. like your uterus just not being perfect. Mm. Right. It's like, it's been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's been yeah. through trauma itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's been through war. Yeah. 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 So he's like, but it doesn't mean like, he's like, I'm looking at it right now and it's really not like a huge amount that you had anyways. So he's like, that shouldn't have made or break or broken like your transfer. So he's like, I suggest, cause I was like, so do I try again or do I go get a surrogate? What? 
you know, because mm-hmm. this is number seven. And he's like, I say, just try again. So I was like, okay, like his attitude, you know, but at that point I did say, I'm like, the only thing I do want to advocate for is that like my lining has always been between like a seven and a half to an eight. Mm-hmm. And I see all these people with like 10s, 11s, 12, like, like, like the most like perfect cushiony linings. And I'm like, I need mine to be higher because right. if it's not going to hurt it, like, let's just try, mm-hmm. you know? And he was all on board for that. So I ended up doing like estrogen injections instead of like the patches or the pills. Um, and we got it to a 9.5 awesome. at that time in February. This is now February, 2020. And, um, that was that. And we did the transfer and he's amazing. Like I love him. He was like replies to my emails every second I email him. Mm. He's actually on it. I told him get on Instagram so I DM him all the time. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I and that. then we got pregnant. So it worked. Wow. Our last Amazing. Yeah. yeah. How was that though? How do you feel? Yeah. yeah. How was that like seeing the positive test? Was that like how'd that feel? Well so I hadn't taken a pregnancy test um since before we found out we were pregnant with the girls. Oh because I have a really bad relationship with them because I used to like go through boxes thinking I wasn't peeking on them right. Oh, right. I was negative. Um, so it scares me to take a test. Um, so after we got the call that we were pregnant, I peed on one just to like see it. Yeah. Which is really cool. I actually still have it in my drawer, which is kind of gross, but no, I love that. <laughs> Keep that forever. Frame it. Frame it. Yeah. Okay, well, in her room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just what a child wants to see the pregnancy test yeah so was there a moment was there a moment in finding out that you felt like okay i can start to get excited be happy because you know you've had such an up and down journey um, um now now <laughs> yeah because how far along are you what's that math Seven weeks. I mean, honestly, weeks. that's wow, fair that's i feel so like soon. that's fair i feel like i would even want to be like until if I were to give birth now and everything would be fine, like I'm not okay, you know? That's, yeah. No, that's, I, yeah. I'm truthfully, I'm not all the way okay yet because and now that, yeah, it's like totally. COVID and like, what am I gonna, you know, like how we were saying how we need to talk about the kids, like that's honestly been like more stressful now because I'm like, what am I gonna do with them? They're not in school every day. Like we right. aren't seeing too many people and they can't come to the hospital. Like forget giving birth, like, you know what I mean? Right. But, totally. um, but no, I mean, like, even that whole thing um, with, like, I'm going to have to get tested right before I come in, and what if I have it, and what if... So it's, like, all these other... Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it was... I I think after every scan, I also, like, made my RE give me um, a scan. I ended up staying there until about 10 weeks. I had already graduated to the OB, but he's amazing, <laughs> and I'm like, can I just come in for a scan? Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, I had to pay for it. Like, I'm not saying like everyone asks for a free scan. It doesn't work that way, sadly. Yeah, right. But I was fine. I'm like, I don't care. Just let me see her, see the baby. Right. Um, so that helped. And then the sad thing was like, Nick's had, Nick hasn't been able to come to any appointments. Yes. That's so sad. But, yeah. Because of COVID. Uh, yeah. 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 And so that always gives me more anxiety because like I'm preparing for the worst every time. Yeah. Um, even to this day, like I went in last, Tuesday just to check to see I don't know what she was checking for but she does listen to the heartbeat 
And I was like, she was just moving like five seconds ago, but I'm like holding on for dear life to like make sure she can find the heartbeat, right. which yeah. is crazy. Yes. We always say that about infertility is you always constantly think what's the worst thing that can happen. And yeah. then it happens and then it happens yeah. again. So how, but yeah, just because you, you're pregnant you doesn't mean that that think, stops. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, right. I was like, I was like, is that, that's heartbeat, right? She's like, yeah. Like, I mean, I can hear it, but I wasn't like even believing that like, or is that just like noise? Like, I don't, right. I don't know. Right. Um, but so we also found like a place that does private scans, like oh. there's one in Oceanside and they do like 40s and all that kind of stuff. And it's just with like ultrasound technicians and Nick and the girls are able to come into that. Oh, that's, that's cool. awesome. Just super cool. So before when I was very, very anxious and before I could feel or move, we would do one of those scans like right before my OB appointment so that I can go into my OB appointment like a little bit more calm, mm-hmm. um, knowing that I had just seen her, Nick was there. So like, if God forbid, right. he would be at least there. And then, you know. How does so. your anxiety show up? Like when you said you were super anxious. Yeah. I just get very snappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my poor kids, like, I'm just like, no, don't do that. What are you doing? Like, it's too loud or stop doing this stuff. Um, but, and I get very quiet too, like the night before an exam, like you get kind of just like super quiet, like anything will make me cry. Um, and I kind of like, don't like to talk until like after mm-hmm. it's that type and, of thing. And the reason why I ask you that is I think some people think that anxiety just comes out like, oh, you're just fidgety or, oh, you, you know, can't really, it's like, no, it can come out in so many things. Like we interviewed, um, Dr. Lori Johnson and she was saying how her anxiety showed up in her pregnancies. She would go to the bathroom all the time and like to check, check. like she was like an over checker. And it's like, you just don't think about that sometimes when you to call that anxiety. And it's like, no, 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 that's, that's anxiety. That's being anxious. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, it is. I mean, and even right now, like if, I mean, she's actually moves like crazy, but the five minutes that she doesn't move, I'm like, what's going on? Like, so I like, you know, right. Wake her up. I'm like, (laughs) they should have moments of no movement. Right. Right. Um, my last question is a doozy. I think it's good. Cause I feel like not, this is something that people don't talk about. It's like infertility is already something that they don't talk about, but then this, how do you feel like your infertility has affected you as a mom? It's definitely, it's made me a lot more aware of the, how they perceive me. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, like I feel like if they weren't around, like I would just, this is all I would focus on. Right. And like, I think I did that for a while. And then after the miscarriage, when we had to tell them that we miscarried, the baby died, like had to put it in like baby terms or little kid terms for them. Um, we started being a lot more open with them. Um, now we talk about everything. I mean, like they literally, they literally were asking me about how, how were they checking to see the baby before they could do like an ultrasound over mm. the stomach. Mm. And so Those are always so, fun conversations. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I did. I was like, I pulled yeah. the picture, I showed them the wand and they're like wait what that <laughs> right and I'm like yep it goes with your vagina they're like does it bend I'm like nope nope <laughs> straight in that sucker you want to have a child this is what could happen <laughs> right right could happen right, right. <laughs> yeah um but it's made me more aware of like the conversations that I have with them about like just how I handle 
any emotion, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I do think it's important for them to see when I'm hurt and when I'm not physically, but when I'm like emotionally going through something, I cry in front of them and then yeah. we talk about it um, together. And I explain to them, you know, like, oh, I'm sad because of this, or I'm sad because of the miscarriage, or I'm having a bad day because I'm thinking about the baby or whatever. That's so good. That's so good because I I think we, as much as we are, we were wanting to normalize infertility in our families and in our groups and all that stuff. I think part of it is normalizing all of the feelings that go along with it. You know, even from my perspective, like being a man, you know, in like guy circles, it's like, well, I had, you know, we had a miscarriage or we had this. And then Mm -hmm. to go even the one step further and say, and I'm really sad, you know, and I'm really not doing well. I think we have to be able to do that because normalizing those emotions is incredibly important. It's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah. I think especially no, I think with kids, with kids too. Yeah. With kids of like too. their kids as a kid, you're kind of naturally selfish. So you're constantly thinking, Oh my gosh, my mom's crying. Is this about me? Did I do something wrong? Did yeah. I, you know, or that's where my, our kids go. And so yeah. it's, I, I, in the same approach, I'm like, no, I'm crying because of this or I'm crying because of that. And I can see relief in their face almost a little bit like, okay, good. It wasn't because I didn't make my bed or whatever it was, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. you know? So I think that's so good because then they're yeah. left. Don't leave them to figure it out. Like t- tell them. Yeah. Well, and we learned that, I think like going through it, that like they all make up stuff in their head, like you said, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's if something's wrong with my mom or if something's wrong with, like you said, what I did. Um, and it's also like allowed me to kind of go further and like start talking about our bodies and everything. Like I think maybe sooner than I would have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows if they were ready or not, but unfortunately they had to be ready because of what they went through with us. I mean, they've actually, it's a part of their story too. It's a part of their story too. Yeah. They've gone through it too. And so like, I've, you know, we've started talking about like the changes in our bodies and like what we go through hormonally and like all this kind of stuff. And and they actually ask me questions now too, which is um, really cool because, you know, not only like have we gone through all of that, but now they're seeing my body changing and like, you know, we're, we're very open with each other. Like, um, we always kind of have been, but now it's just a different level of like being open and honest, I guess, yeah. is kind of where we're on. I mean, and some of it's a little like my husband's like, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been, I think it's, it's been good. And, and I always say like, they, I think they've matured a little bit sooner than maybe they would have had we not gone through all of this, but like they've been able to handle it so well, you know, Mm -hmm. and we word things in a way that works for them, but we don't hide anything. And if they ask questions, we answer them. We don't necessarily like throw them information every single day that they don't need to know. But like, if they ask, I'm not going to hide things and pretend things are okay. Right. Because whether you tell them or not, you're still going through it. So might as well not leave it up to their imagination. And absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for you taking time to are join amazing. us. Your story is incredible. I think it's really incredible. The, the journey that you've been on and the, the things that you've overcome, I think can be an inspiration to people. I know can be an inspiration to people that being able to incorporate the good and the bad all at the same time. And, and sometimes that takes a long time to realize those things. Uh, it's just your story is so full of so many of the things that people have to go through uh, during infertility. And it's been inspiring to hear it. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was on a roller coaster. I know. <laughs> when, when are you due? 
Um, oh my God, November 7th. Oh my November gosh, 7th. that is like right around the corner. Yeah, I was like, I need to book this before. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> totally. We'll see. I go in on Thursday to have a, I'm hoping she'll check. She did check my cervix last week. So she hopefully will check it this week. My husband's like, like how do we, because we were induced with the twins, which was so oh, nice. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And I went to the mall first. It was super nice. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> mall walk. This one again so that I could plan where my kids are going to go and like what they're yeah. going to eat. And I'm just that person. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh my gosh. But, um, well, we're all, we're all excited with you. Yes, yes. And good luck with everything. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, guys.